Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Verse 21, But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take this life, take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into the pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors he wore. And many commentators talk about how that's what the enemy likes to do to us. He wants to strip us of the honor that God has given us. He wants to strip us of of the love and the the glory and the, the value that God has placed on us. And he does. He wants to do that. And they took him and threw him in the pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. So they do this horrible act. They mistreat their brother. They abuse him. And then they sit down and pull out their bologna sandwich and start talking. And what we find out is later on in the chapter is that Joseph cried out to his brothers at this point, in anguish of soul is what it says. In anguish of soul. They just sat there and ate while their brother was literally screaming for his life. Like it was nothing. I mean, it's pretty, this is a pretty messed up situation here. Um, guys, as, as human beings who are created for community, we're, we're created as pack animals, you could say. We're, we're created for community, to be involved in other people's lives. There's a unique level of grief that comes with rejection for, for a person. In fact, I think perhaps rejection is one of the most painful things a person can endure, especially when it comes from those who are supposed to love you, from those who are supposed to receive you. It's hard when it comes from respected peers. When you're not accepted amongst your peers, that can be very hard and and heartbreaking. When it comes from people that you look up to and respect, that can be something very, very painful. This anguish of soul it's a real thing. And, and Joseph's crying out because he's been rejected by his own family, his own brothers. Joseph's experiencing this anguish right now. And I'm sure we've all experienced rejection to varying degrees. But there are some, I think, who have ex- who've really experienced it wor- the worst. And, and perhaps you're here and, and you're wondering, does anyone even understand the, the level of rejection I've felt? It, it feels so lonely to be rejected that way. It feels like I... I'm utterly alone. Nobody would get the kind of rejection that I felt. And I want to tell you that someone has felt that same kind of rejection and his name is Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was despised and rejected. That he was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. Jesus felt the anguish of rejection. The Bible says that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. They rejected him. The ones who should have worshipped him the most easily, they've been the most proud to serve Jesus. They rejected him bitterly, brutally. He was abandoned by his closest friends in his time of need. He was mocked, spit on, brutally beaten publicly, and hung up on a cross, basically on, on the busy street of Rome, so everybody could walk by and see this guy. He was utterly rejected and forsaken. Even forsaken by the Father is what the Bible says. 
Jesus gets it. He understands what rejection feels like. And so I, I hope you find comfort in that, knowing that your God can identify with your pain and rejection. He does. And I think what's even more comforting than that, though, guys, is knowing that, yeah, though you've been rejected by people because they're jerks, let's just say it like it is, Jesus allowed himself to be rejected because of his love for you. Like Jesus allowed himself to go through what he did because of his love for you, because of a desire that he had to have a relationship with you. That's why he allowed himself to be rejected when he did and as he did. In other words, you may suffer because people don't want a relationship with you. You may suffer that. But Jesus suffered because he does want a relationship with you. And I feel like that's the greatest cure for, for this anguish of soul that we could feel in our rejection. That the living God suffered greatly so that we would be accepted by Him. Though we've been rejected by people, we've been accepted by God Himself. The most famous, the most important one really does love us. And I, just, that find, I find healing in that. And of course, we should be aware of the other side as well. Being accepted by man being accepted by everyone you know and yet being rejected by God. Jesus said, woe to you if all men think well of you. Right? If you're one of the brothers, you're one of Joseph's brothers where they're like, hey, they're in with all the brothers. They're like best friends of every one of them. That might be a dangerous place to be. Joseph was rejected. But Joseph was in the will of God. And we might think it's a great tragedy to be rejected by people. And it is. It's hard. But it's an even greater tragedy, guys, to be accepted by everyone in your life only to be rejected by God in the end. That's a greater tragedy. It really is. It truly is. And I think the one huge lesson Joseph learns through his life is that you don't live for the approval of people. You live for the approval of God. You keep your head down and you serve God despite what people think, regardless of whether they'll receive you or reject you. That's what we see in the life of Joseph. That's what we saw in the life of Jesus. That's a life that God will use greatly. That's a life that will have no regrets in the end. That's a life that will find itself in heaven, that will lead to heaven. So they throw Joseph into this pit. They reject him. They sit down to eat some lunch and talk about their plans. Verse 25, And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm and myrrh and on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. So it seems like he's got a little bit of a conscience there. Hey, why don't we make some money off of him instead? You know? Um... Then the Midianites, the Midianite traders passed by and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt and when Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, the boy is gone and I, where shall I go? So Reuben is freaking out because he's the oldest brother. Like He's going to be the one held responsible for what's taken place here. And apparently he had, he had left 
while the brothers finished doing what they were doing and selling Joseph into slavery. And so he was unaware of it. And, but Reuben here becomes a great example of someone who, who lives for the approval of men. He knew what the right thing to do was, yet he failed to do it because of what his brothers might think. He was compromised in that. He had good intentions, but there are times, guys, when doing the right thing means losing the approval and popularity of other people. That's just how it goes sometimes. And that's why Jesus said, woe to you if all men think well of you all the time. Because if you're serving God, if you're following God, there will eventually come a point where God is calling you to do something that people around you will not like. That God will call you to do something that actually makes you very unpopular. And so if you're on this path where you're, you're really good at being cool and being you know, the Christian, and you're kind of trying to walk this tightrope, you can do that for a time, but know this, there comes a time where pleasing men and pleasing, and God, pleasing God are two drastically different directions. And so be careful not to be like Reuben. Reuben's trying to walk this tightrope. Man, I, I don't want to be like uncool to my brothers and go against what they want to say, but it's wrong. I know, I know what the right thing to do is. Because he's trying to walk this tight line, he fails to do what is right. Good intentions aside, it doesn't matter. He failed to do the right thing when he should have stood up, when he knew it was the right thing to do, despite what his brothers would have thought. And I don't know what, what kind of tightrope you're walking today. I don't know what kind of issues you're facing today. But I promise you, at the end of your life, you will regret pleasing man over doing the right thing you will regret succumbing to man's philosophies and doing what is, is, is common in popular thought. You will regret that and not going God's way. There's a lot right now as far as conversation, as far as thoughts, as far as beliefs of a Christian that are very unpopular. And I'll tell you that that means today is the day that you, you can honor God the most with these thoughts, with these positions, with these beliefs, because they are very unpopular, because they will make you unpopular, that is something you can offer to the Lord and say, look, I don't live for men. I live for you, Lord, and I'm going to stand for you. And Reuben is the example of the opposite. His plans fail because he tried to do both, and you can't. Verse 31, Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the, the robe in blood, and they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. Which is just cruel. Right? In their, in their attempt to get rid of Joseph, they were super cruel to Joseph. But imagine how cruel this is to do to their dad. To make him think his, his favorite son was slaughtered by a wild animal. Like to set it up to look this way blood all over his coat and to be like hey we found this is this is this Joseph's coat and of course it was and it just hits it hits Joseph like a ton of bricks but this seemed to be the only way I guess to them that they would make certain Jacob wouldn't go looking for Joseph and find out the, what 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 really happened verse 33 it says he identified it and said it is my son's robe a fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth 
on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. So he is just heartbroken. Again, all of the hopes, all of the family line uh, inheritance in, in Jacob's mind was to go to Joseph. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. That was what J- Jacob was thinking this whole time. God had different plans, but he is just distraught. And of course, this was the son that Rachel had, and Rachel just passed away just a few years prior to this. So it's especially painful there as well. His beloved wife, who just passed away, their first son, is now gone. Uh, what a grief that he is experiencing right now. So God, did I read verse 33 yet? See, 35? Sorry. So, so they all rose up to comfort him. The sons actually rose up to comfort Jacob. Even while they're in the lot. Dad, you know, we're so sorry for your lot. You know, don't, don't be so sorry. You know, how, how hypocritical to stand there and like try to comfort their dad in his grief when it's their lie that, that's making him grieve. I mean, you know their conscience is starting to get pricked right now. We see, we'll see it build and build. I want to say it takes 50 years or 40 years for them to finally like fall down broken before Joseph. But it's starting now. Like Their conscience is starting to get quickened. They're starting to really feel, to feel it, I'd imagine. Verse 36, Meanwhile, the, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. So you're starting to see some familiar names. We'll cover the story of Potiphar and his wife and Joseph in a few chapters. But God, He's already called a shot with Joseph. He's already, he's already proclaimed Joseph will rise to a position over his family, into a position of power. And we know because He's going to help preserve his family, protect his family. However, what we learn, I think, from Joseph's life is seldom, very rarely are God's promises worked out in the ways which we would expect Him or really the ways we would want Him to. God has promises for your life. He has great things in store for you. But it's probably not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. Your expectations for God's promises worked out in your life probably won't be met. It'll probably look a lot different. And there'll probably be more difficulty and pain than you would like, than I would like. If God told me I'd be in a place of, of position and prominence like Joseph, I wouldn't expect my life to be full of suffering the way we see Joseph's life full of suffering. I wouldn't. And I wouldn't want that. But it is. Joseph's life is full of, full of pain and difficulty. He'll be crippled as, at one point by the shackles of jail. And he'll walk with a limp the rest of his life. Joseph's path to God's fom- promises is full of difficulties. His path to, to a position of power is full of trials and tragedies. And you guys see, the reality is that God accomplishes His greatest work in us through the trials and difficulties we face. When things are nice, when things are going smoothly, God can work in that as well. But His real refining fire, His real forging of your life and your soul happens in your trials. Happens in your difficulties. 
Hebrews 6.12 says it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. Patience is, that means long-suffering. Through faith, holding on to that belief and suffering for it, we inherit the promises. James chapter 1 says that we should count it all joy when we come into various trials knowing that it produces patience. And then he says, so let patience have its work in you which will lead to you being perfect, being complete, lacking in nothing. That it's the difficulty, it's the trials that accomplish what God's wanting to accomplish in our lives. Therefore, count it all joy, is what James said. Now, it might be hard because you don't always understand why. We go through suffering, we go through difficulties, and we don't always immediately know why. In fact, much of it we won't know until we get to heaven. But we can trust that God is up to something in the midst of our suffering. We can trust that God is doing something great as we go through difficulties. And guys, that, that is the real comfort that we have. That is the comfort that comes from knowing God. Not that you know everything about God or you know why He does everything He does, but the fact that you know that God is good and that God is up to something good with that difficulty. That, that brings comfort. That we can trust God with our trials just as much and perhaps even more than we can with our, with our blessings. I'd say the theme of Joseph's life as we start his, his life, the theme of his life is what he says in the end when, when he meets his brothers. He says, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. That, would, I, I would say, is the theme. And it's also the theme for many Christians. What the enemy intends for evil in your life, God intends to use for good. The, what appears to be the enemy's victory in your life is God's judo move that he's going to flip around and use for your good, for your eternal blessing. In fact, Jesus is the one who experienced it the greatest. The enemy got Jesus hung on a cross. The enemy got the Son of God hung up on a cross. And he thought he'd won. But what the enemy meant for evil, God intended for good. God intended Jesus to hang on the cross. And through that cross, God accomplished the greatest work he ever accomplished, greater than the six days of creation. He accomplished the salvation of mankind through the enemy's work. Through the enemy's work. Imagine what he's going to do with your life. And at the end of Joseph's life, there is no regret. Joseph doesn't regret the sufferings he went through. We'll see this. Because he saw what God brought about in his life because of it. How much more, Christian, can we rejoice when we get to heaven and see all that God accomplished through our trials through our mistakes, through the ways the enemy came in and defeated us and beat us over the head, when we see all that God accomplished eternally, it will be worthwhile. The Bible says it won't even be worthy. The trials themselves won't even be worthy to, be, to compare to the glories that we will see that will be revealed through us in heaven. It's going to be amazing. So trust God, even though you don't know why, even though you don't know how it's going to end or how it's, what it's going to look like, trust that God is doing something good, just as He was working here in the midst of this horrific rejection that Joseph experienced. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. Let's pray. So, Father, we are so grateful to know that You are good. We're thankful that You have made certain that we can trust in Your goodness, Lord, and You've demonstrated that goodness. You've demonstrated Your love that while we were sinners, Lord, You died on the cross for us. That through the greatest trials that have ever been experienced, Jesus experienced them. 
Rejection from man, beaten and tortured, and yet forsaken by the Father as well. And He experienced the darkest day so that we would never have to experience that. And so all the trials, all the crosses that you allow us to bear in our life, we can face with joy and courage. Even as James says, we can rejoice in them, knowing that you are working amazing eternal work in us, through us, and around us. Lord, so help us to suffer well. Help us to be mature believers who face difficulties and hardships and losses with the hope of Christ, with the joy of the Lord, the joy and the peace that surpasses understanding, God. May that be worked in the depth of our souls. May we not be shallow Christians tossed to and fro like a wave of the ocean in our emotions. May we be steadfast, rooted and grounded in You, knowing, Lord God, no matter what the world throws at us, Lord, we can trust in You and we can endure it. Because if you brought us to it, you will see us through it. And you are working your purposes out in it. And we thank you for this reminder tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for listening. If you're hearing this and you'd like to give your life to the Lord now, I invite you to take the next step. Text the words, READY FOR JESUS to 94000 and we can follow up with you. One of our leaders will be able to contact you and get you some free resources to help you grow in the faith. We invite you to come out to our in-person services every Thursday evening at Calvary Tucson's East Campus in the coffee shop area. We meet at 6.30 p.m. for coffee and our service starts at 7 p.m. In the meantime, keep reading, keep praying, and keep worshiping. God bless you.